evening, everybody. It's episode 16. It's at Jim Bobcast. I'm Jim. And I'm Bob. Bob, old boy, how are you, sir? I'm not too bad, James. I'm, I'm relatively good. Here I am, sitting at home, as per usual. I've just been outside and given Colonel Captain Sir Tom Moore uh, a farewell clap. Uh, rest in peace to what a legendary man is Tom Yeah, Moore. absolutely. What a, what a knock. Do you know what I mean? In, we always applaud sentries, uh, whoever they're scored by. Uh, but very, very interesting hundred years to have had to have lived through, no doubt, through oh, a couple of a couple of wars. And there this, is um, one man that certainly deserves to raise his bat to the pavilion. I will say that. Yes, absolutely. So, um, Ben, rest very peacefully and condolences to his close family. And um, someone through very dark times over the past twelve months has come through as an absolute legend, raising all that money, millions and millions of pounds. And uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, hats off to him and condolences to his family. But I'm sitting here as well, James, almost 24 hours on from that moment in last night's game, the moment that changed it all. And yeah. I feel so hard done by that something has really deflated what could have been quite a buoyant discussion we've got. Well, yeah, and we'll get on to the actual Wolves game very, very shortly. It was it was probably exactly 24 hours ago. We're sitting here sort of content at 1-0 after a fine Pepe moment, but thinking we should be 3-4 here. And yes, obviously a couple of minutes time a day ago, that moment happened. And, you know, a lot of Arsenal fans, it's kind of a bit of a go-to thing to say that the refereeing decisions and the fourth officials and the computer refereeing or, or, or the video refereeing via VAR has been really, really, really poor against Arsenal. And then last night... It- James, last night was an absolute fucking disgrace. Now, let's be fair. Fast, quick-moving scenario, old-fashioned style that looks a pen. Looks like he's brought him down. You know what? Probably a sending off. But we I don't, don't have that. Well, I, I, I think old-fashioned wise, a running across the back of the legs never actually used to attract a foul. It used to attract when bookings became fashionable for diving. It used to probably have more of those attributed to it than it did penalty kicks. I mean, um, that's a good point. That's a fucking excellent point because there was so little contact there. There's more chance of that player getting booked because, especially the way you can see. He kicks his leg with his other leg and flips over. My biggest grievance about VAR is is the utter inconsistency of the way it's administered. There is no process. I I know we speak about cricket because we're fans. The process for a leg before wicket appeal is absolutely symmetrical each and every single time. The communication between the video referee and the umpire is laser straight. The process is discussed and spoken through, you know, with, with, with the utmost kind of sort of respect for making sure the process is, you know, like I said, symmetrical each and every time. You know, in cricket, they will, they will analyse front foot. Then they will make sure the ball was pitched in a qualifying position, like, you know, obviously outside of, of stamp end on line. Then he has to make sure that he hits the bat, sorry, to hit the batsman in line, make sure there's no impact with the bat. You know, and then they will take the the, the opinion of, of of those three things. All triggering red means the players out, and and if one of them opts with the original umpire's decision or or is green, the decision can be overturned. There there is nothing symmetrical about VAR. 
Nothing. Mate, you're absolutely nailed on. If you watch Rugby Union, you watch rugby, the way they use TMO, they call it in that. The way they use that, it's so slick and professionally done and it gets the right decision every single time. Every single time you'll see referees uh, talking. Is there any reason not to award this? Is there any reason not to do this? Is there any reason not to do that? The TMO getting involved and saying to the referee, you need to have a look at this, actually. All the time it's looked at. All the time when they get involved, TMO, they get the right decision. When the referee calls for it, they get the right decision. What we find with our VAR is that it's not getting the right decision. You have incompetence off the pitch and incompetence on the pitch. It's being administered so badly wrong. But with that being said, the, the, the reason why it's even more laughable is there is multiples of times more money available to professional football because of just the way in which it's commercially, globally marketed than there is in cricket or rugby. I mean, it's multi, like hundreds of millions more of an industry than those two other games. And Absolutely, James. So, so, so the technology and the sophistication of the processes around it should, should be that much better than those other sports. And it's not. And it's administered for fucking phony reasons. You sent it to me earlier on. I saw this a few years ago when he first came out and done it. And he actually came out and said this on BT Sport, if I remember rightly, because he used to work for them. Mark Halsey. I've been in that situation when I've seen an incident and I've been told to say I haven't seen it. To be fair to the FA, it's not them. It comes from within the PGMOL, the Professional Game Match Officials Limited. They are the fucks here. It I mean, doesn't yeah. stop there. We've been told to give a certain amount of corners or throw-ins or fouls or bookings. The Premier League is rife with spot-fixing and bias towards certain clubs from every from the FA. Every referee in the Premier League could be in front of a court one day. Bias to other clubs. Fucking classic example. Number one, Bruno Fernandes on Saturday. Studs galore down Xhaka's back leg. Nada. Not a murmur on VAR, whereas there is the minimalist of flicks from Louise. Off you go, son. Have a walk. But, but unbelievable. But, so, so to come, I, I mean, and you, you're right. It's the minimalist of, fit, of flicks. But, so then you have to go back and say to a referee, is that enough contact to break the player's stride? No, because if a player's running with the ball and he's looking up and trips over his own foot, and there's no one around him. There's no foul given or anything like that. So it, it, it is a possible thing. You know, you're looking elsewhere and not looking at your feet. You know, uh, I know we joke about Frank Spencer from time to time, but calamities do happen. But you, you mentioned the Bruno point, and I concur with that. But I want to take you back to 20 minutes earlier in that same game. Why was the VAR process not exactly identical with the, with the appeal of the Saka penalty? Because Absolutely. I, because I don't see, I see a very, very, very similar situation. I, I agree with you. I agree with you absolutely. I called Penn. I said that was a penalty. You know, whether it was or wasn't, I, I, I don't think it's any different a penalty situation to what's happened previously. David Luiz has been done there because he's got a history of doing it. But the but the rule was changed as well that now accidental fouls because the foul, if he's not 
directly tried to play the ball, it, it doesn't bring red card into disrepute. If it's accidental, which it absolutely is, because he's made he has not broken running stride whatsoever to try and play the man or the ball. Um, he's just busted a gut to try and get back into position after Bellerin and Holding and Leno positionally were all fucked. And he just he just realises he can't get there. But human beings don't have handbrakes. And, and at that precise point, can't, he just can't stop his motion, you know. But he was sent off against Chelsea, I believe, for Arsenal and rightly given a red card because he did come across the back of the player and play it. And that was given the red card. Yeah, In this instance, ridiculous. he has not tried to play the ball and still been given a red card. And one thing I want to bring you to on, which is why I sent you the housey thing earlier, and for anybody who listens and has the facility to, to record games or go back and watch them, if you go back to the 45th, 46th, 47th minute of the first half and you watch Greg Pawson's analysis while after he is called by the fourth official to review the screen, they do not give him all of the camera angles. They only give him the angle from behind the player, which looks like Louise clips the player. They do not give you the view from the goal looking down, which actually would turn around and tell you that it's it's very difficult to see contact. And I watch he sports uh, showed that exact same angle last night. They showed the exact same angle, and I think it's Philip Walton or Peter Walton, their referee. He's a complete fuck. Waste of skin. You, you know, but the but the the official that takes control of the situation in cricket, like he is the person who says, now take me here, now take me there, now take me there. And, and he covers every single base until the decision is absolutely... That's what happens in rugby, that's what happens in rugby yeah. as well. Now, and I'm not and, comparison it. And the view that you had, which was not quite a bench cam, because it was a bit further down, almost a camera that was in line with the edge of the penalty box, looked straight across the pitch and looked over the referee's shoulder and watched the screen. And it did not change view from the one that was in line with um, Luigi's run from behind him and the other angle that was looking straight down at the goal from behind the goal, probably from someone like a holdings view. They did not give Leno's view of the event to the referee. They just, to, they just didn't want to give anything else other than a penalty and they didn't want to give anything else other than a red card in the instant. They wanted to do something there. You know, it's not VAR. VAR is a phenomenally good innovation in football and if it's run properly, it will improve football no end. Absolute 99% fact that will be, James. You might disagree with me, but I believe it. But the problem is it is being run by absolute incompetent, corrupt people in the form of the professional match referees, guild, whatever they're called. It's fucking ridiculous how they are managing this. I mean, let's look at the Southampton game. Well, exactly. I've, I've got, yeah, I've I got a list. And I don't mean the Southampton game against Man United, James. I mean the one oh, no. that we... I mean, but, 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 because but that, this... That's absolutely interesting that no, no more than um, 90 minutes later, exactly the same thing happened in the Southampton game on Martial. And it was very, very, very suspect. No, they've had, so they've had to continue with it because they cannot, by VAR, blokes in the same fucking room in Stockley Park, you know, they cannot have 
a different decision on the same night by the same thing. They just can't do that. So two teams have been aggrieved. And that both is Southampton, where, both Southampton and, and, and Arsenal and that, have appealed that, by the way. And that is where the model, by the way, is completely bent. Because there is no way in high hell that a fourth official, a fourth official attending the test match at Calcutta should not sit next to his pal and have a fucking cucumber sandwich with the chap who's officiating the test match at Lords. What the fuck is that about? Absolutely. And that's a good point. You've just mentioned cricket there, James, and this is a very good point. In cricket, you have four umpires who, umpires who officiate the game. So if you will, referee, linesman, fourth official. And then over the umpires, there is a match referee that rules over the whole game. And if the officials make errors, they are held accountable. And do you know the interesting thing? The third umpire who looks at the, uh, the DRS in cricket, if he makes an error on DRS, the match referee pulls him on it and he gets held accountable for it. Why aren't football referees held to the same standard that the players are held? I don't understand why football referees get a free pass to never actually have to make comment or why we're not actually why it's not available to the industry what the officiating standard or what the what the audit process is for an individual to keep their position or merit. But there's never it's fitness, James. They have to. Run, I think they have to run a mile in eight minutes. You know, really, with the standard of football and the speed it's played at, and match day officiating. I said to you recently that I generally believe it's match officials uh, are still got to thrown their toys out the pram because video refereeing has been introduced, and they feel like a responsibility is being taken away from them. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's like when your child, you you you. You give them a bottle and now you're like, no, 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 you can drink out of a tippy cup yourself. But proper match officials get called back to do VAR. So they might not be reffing that week, but they can go and do it. You know, take yourself back to last Sunday, that Southampton game, they had a goal disallowed for offside. The part of the body that was ruled offside was the bloke's arm. Well, they had a goal disallowed last night for offside and no one can concur that the chap's generally offside. He's not offside. But that one on Sunday, it was his arm offside. It was his arm offside. And offside is when you're, unf- well, you're gaining advantage by being ahead of the play. You know, I don't so go into the rule too much. So it'd be so ahead of your a- foot or your knee or something that you can legally score a goal with. If you touch the ball with your hand, it's a foul. It's a handball and you get pulled back. So are you telling me that he could gain any advantage by his arm being ahead of play. Yeah, exactly. He can't get an advantage because it's not allowed to be there. I'm, I'm telling you now, you know, Southampton, they have gone to the FA and they have said that they do not want Mike Dean or Lee Mason to referee any of their games for the foreseeable. I would say that Arsenal should do the same with Craig Paulson because it's not the first time that Craig no. Paulson has and come he- and had a go at us. No, and also, when you're talking about that particular referee, also three minutes into the Liverpool game where there's a clear elbow to the face of Tierney. Oh, mate, don't get me started on this. I absolutely, I was, I remember uh, watching this game almost with you. I was going mental at that. And in five minutes later, the fucker scores. Yeah. You know, last season, Trent Alexander-Arnold was, was almost halfway up. I think it was either Pepe or Saka's leg. Halfway up, you know, he was nearer the head than the fucking floor. 
Bang! What happened? Nothing. Fernandez on Saturday, nothing. Lacazette versus Leicester this season. Clearly, absolutely no problem goal. Disallowed. Leicester last season. Fucking Vardy kicking Mustafi in the face. Nothing. You know, Bournemouth last season, Pepe was fucking rugby tackled. In fact, in rugby, it's called a Cumberland throw and that's outlawed. <laughs> you know, that should have been a penalty. Norwich studs up on Guendouzi. Watford last year, we got ripped to shreds for this against Watford from playing it out from the back and them taking the ball of us and scoring. They were in the air encroaching. Yeah. VAR should outrule that. Sheffield United foul in a penalty box. In fact, no, twice well, last season. What, what about the fucking Socrates goal that got disallowed Against Palace. Yeah, for, for the guy basically fouling Chambers. Who was the VAR ref? The VAR ref was Craig Paulson. Fuck, is he a yid or something? Oh, I think he's a Wolves fan. Again, you know, Jorginho, last, last year, last, just after last Christmas, 20, I think it was the 28th, it was the 28th actually, 28th of December, 2019 this would have been, Chelsea... Jorginho pulls back, I think, Guendouzi, absolute certainty of a yellow card, not given a second bookable, pops up, scores the equaliser on 82-minute, Chelsea going to win the game. Eddie Nketiah versus Leicester, the same game as the Jamie Vardy incident, the same game, comes on the pitch, first second, tackles, gets booked, 30 seconds later, that gets overruled by VAR. The same game as watch Jamie Vardy use... Mustafi's face as a pincushion. I think that game ended up one all, an unfair one all as well. You know, you could go through so many decisions. Arsenal have been unfairly dealt with by VAR. Now that does sound like sour grapes at us against VAR, but come on, there is plenty of evidence out there. Plenty of evidence. Aaron Questwell last year, two-footed lunge on an Arsenal player. Nothing. Another penalty in the home match with. Uh, Pepe against Sheffield United last year. Nothing. You know, people have been giving Pepe a lot of stick here, but on this list, I see him getting fouled four times. Well, actually, it's really funny you say that. And um, just firstly, I'll just come back. So I know we have quite a good following in America. And for those that don't know what a yid is, it's actually in the English dictionary <laughs> as a Spurs fan. Um, it can also be used as an acronym for um, a Jewish person, but it's a, it's, a, it's a Tottenham supporter. It's by no means meant with any malice. But in that short video on Twitter, about a minute long of what we believe poor refereeing and um, and VAR decisions were being made, Pepe's involved in so many of them. It, it's kind of like modern day Reyes, the kind of treatment he got in his first season, just Absolutely, getting ironed man. out all over the place. And a couple of those penalty kicks, there's huge contact. I mean, massive contact. Massive bearing in contact. Mind, bearing in mind now knowing what, achieves the penalty kick with the two that were awarded last night for, I mean, genuinely something that you would need cricket technology to see a snicko to see whether or not there was genuine contact or not. James, that's absolutely brilliantly put. So what we can both agree on is that those decisions that were not given against Arsenal were not given at all. It wasn't, we're not talking between red and yellow cards here. We're talking that they were not given at all. And that's even worse. We're potentially, yes, there is the issue of a contact with David Luiz, which I believe, you know, I think there was, there's enough different opinions with angles there. Look, I don't want football to become like running and rolling snickometers and things like that. I don't think there's the time of it. But you can clearly see that that's not a red card. You can clearly, you know, I'm dubious. There's John Terry. 
He's come out and said, and he hates Arsenal, by the way. John Terry mm. bloody hates Arsenal. He, he's he, come should, out he said, should enjoy David Luiz, though. I mean, they've won Premier League titles together. So you can see him looking out for his mate in that regard. Yeah, I, I, I just go through every little thing in that. And it's a long list. It's a long, long list. And it's... Here we go. The week number two of this. And it is hashtag FOTW. <laughs> and it is... Yes, it's Jim Bobcast's fuck of the week. And that one goes to f- officials refereeing in the Premier League. That's <laughs> who get it this week. You know, we have missed off the legend that last week we got a player booked for walking. Yeah. Come on, right. James. Every, every week you could pick something out, you know. Every week you're going to get hard done by. Then United, United just get whatever decision they want. I mean, you know? United had three players on yellow cards who arguably had quite big fouls uh, thereafter, and there was no second yellow administered. You know, I, I wouldn't have been shocked whatsoever if United would have had a player walk in the nil-nil. And it probably brings us on to, I to the United just, game. I just, thought, I thought before, Maguire... Just before we move on, I just want to move on. At the end of last night's game, before we move on, there's a clip, and I'm, I'm not an expert lip reader, but Maltinho, and you know when they fist pump together, Maltinho comes up to Paulson and goes, thank you, mate. Paulson returns and says, anytime, mate. Absolute bullshit. Adrian Clark, former Arsenal player, does the breakdown for Arsenal, came up with a very good point on that Louise incident accidental handballs in the box get waved away continuously with no penalisation. How is an accidental knee clip ascending off? Well, exactly. And and you use the word accidental, which under the new laws of the game now means that you do not have to administer a red card. Chris Kavner is our referee for the game on uh, Saturday we've got against Aston Villa. The last thing he did for Arsenal is when he wrongly sent off uh, Emile Smith-Rowe in the cup for doing nothing. So that's Chris Kavner. I'm sure he'll want to get his name in the papers. Oh, James, fuck of the week. Football officials referee in the Premier League. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Gets my vote. Good man. So, United. So, well, let's start off with St. Kaus that got my blood boiling. The, the, the wonderfully biased... Sky Pundit lineup. You had Jamie Carragher sitting <laughs> opposite, or I like to always say with Jamie Carragher, spitting. Uh, Jamie Carragher spitting opposite Roy King, Gary Neville with Martin Tyler in the gantry uh, with Kelly Cates officiating proceedings. There's some impartiality there if ever I've seen it. Yes. But, you know, I, I, think, um, I think the pundits gave Arsenal probably the respect they were due. I think Roy Keane's setting some kind of agenda with Man United at the moment that they're just not the Man United that he captained or played for and just likes to remind everybody of that at every given opportunity. But I thought actually in the whole, you know, from a 90-minute game, a draw was probably the right result and it was going to be a touch of brilliance that was going to win it for either side. Or a touch of incompetence with refers to Fernandes. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I, I thought we did really well to contain him. He, I, I just don't remember him having anything in the game that um, that was remarkable. The only rememberable thing he did was, was you know, was assault Xhaka for for no penalty whatsoever. And um, I, thought, I thought actually Xhaka was probably the man of the match. I know they gave it to Louise for the way he played, but that almost feels like a bit of a bias for 
Neville thinking that Arsenal have probably just done this 52 to 48 or something. And if we give it to one of their centre-backs, it shows that we should have taken our chances. Leno didn't actually really make any massive saves, bar the one phenomenal save from Fred, where, oh. where, where I thought, you know, we had a really strong first 20 minutes. Oh, and what's then a save? Yeah, it's a fine save. I mean, he really has gone from hero to zero, Leno, in the space of three days. Yes, he has. And, and then when we had the sort of 20, 25-minute period in the second half, you know, Lacazette hitting the underside of the bar. Great free kick. Yeah, and 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 De Gea making a fine save from um from from Smith Rowe, and then a couple of other chances being there. You know, and 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 to be fair to Arsenal, you know, doing that without Tierney, Aubameyang, Saka, and kind of a you know a still still not quite fit enough party. Yeah, party looked a bit sleepy. You know, he looked like he could have done with a. <laughs> let's let's be controversial, James. You know me; I like to speak my. My mind sometimes gets me in trouble. I think he could have done with a line of something, you know, just to wake him up a little bit, a little bit of juice to get himself going. But no, you're absolutely right. With no Saka, no Tini, no Bamiang, that was a great, I think that was a decent result. I think what we thought we were going to get when we saw the lineups, I think we could be pleased with the point. Obviously, the game might show a little bit different, but yeah, party looks very dozy and drowsy, I'll say. Not not his usual self. But you, your point on Xhaka, I'd just like to say, uh, I'd like to just say, sorry, pal, you, since I slated you uh, after your last sending off, you've come back and been absolutely brilliant. And when we talk in the Wolves game, I'm going to add a few more points in of a praise for you. That's fantastic, you know, how we've got some of that. Pepe was again bright as a button on the right-hand side he was this time. Loads of hard work, James, and you noted uh, how how strong he is in defence. Well, I, I thought actually that um, Pepe was starting to show that uh, obviously Arteta's got into him and said, there's no doubt you've got technical ability and you are the player really that expresses themselves the most running at people, you know, directly, like really, really at them. You know, he, I think you can tell from his game now in both those games that he likes to almost take the ball through people, you know, and um, two Same games... Southampton a game before as well. Yeah, very true. Yeah, and, you know, I think two in his last three games, he's had a run that's involved a double net nutmeg. So, you know, he's he, and he had a double nutmeg last night leading to his goal, which is a fine goal, um, and one in the Southampton game. You know, so he obviously is such a flair player, but we with party in the side and that creating more pockets of space for Granite Jacker, which is bringing out the Granite Jacker that everybody wants to see. And the Granite Jacker that Wenger signed. Yeah, absolutely. And the Granite Jacker that Wenger actually got quite a lot out of before he he left the club. You know, Granite Jacker had quite a few performances like that for Arsene Wenger in the deep line playmaker role. And you know, now his his variety of passing is the first point that you see with Granite Xhaka and the kind of work that he does administering around the kind of the first two thirds of the pitch, you know, your own, your, your own third and the middle third is secondary, which means that people don't have to highlight now that he isn't the best d- tackler or defender, but he is more than a capable midfielder of shielding, blocking space and yeah. is happy and is happy for the contact. 
And, and again, I'd probably give Arteta some credit to say Xhaka probably looks a yard fitter as well, you know. He does. Um, he looks good. I, I think he's been brilliant the last few games. I will say that. Alongside Party, yeah. he looks a different beast. You just don't see Ceballos playing for the club again, do you, whilst them two of them are fit, you know, because no. they brought Odegaard in. I'm adamant when we analyse the transfer window now, I've seen him. And I still stand by my points I made on Odegaard that he is an understudy to Smith Rowe. Yeah, I think you might see him a little bit more in the Europa League to give Smith Rowe some respite, and and obviously Smith Rowe has been ushered in now to playing the Smith best part of every single game. Which Smith Rowe again was great against United. He was moving. You know, his movement is probably one of his treats. Uh, his balls he was playing for again was brilliant. You know, and he was making some great runs. And I tell you who else had some interesting runs on the Saturday game. And it's probably the tongue-in-cheek, jovial moment of the first half. The boy McTominay. Uh, he had some <laughs> serious issues. Uh, I think uh, I think we were taking bets as to when he was going to uh, unleash the beast and fill up his pants and do a Gary Lineker. Uh, and actually, uh, from snooker parlevants, leave Brown on the bottom cushion. He was in a terrible state, the boy. Oh, uh, he was he was in a really, really bad way. I mean, I don't know what pill they tried to give him to administer AI and stomach within moments. But I mean, if they exist, I would be happy for anyone to tweet us at Jim Bob Cast because um, I would always like to carry one of those around in my purse. But so um, McTominay with his shits... McTominay with his shits went off just before half-time. Yeah. Arsenal on their shits with Willian at half-time. So Willian came on at half-time and a lot of Arsenal fans were going, here we go. I was screaming, look at the stats because obviously we named and talked about them last week. Willian, Willian, Willian. I didn't quite go as hard as what's-his-face, Dick-face, DT, or whatever his name is, going off on them. Uh, I wasn't quite that bad for him. You know... It was probably one of his better games since Fulham. Uh, yeah, well, I said that to you, and I, I stand by it. I'm not even not sure that it wasn't better than his game v Fulham, because I, was, I went back and sort of re-watched extensive highlights of that game, and he did have a bit of a trot around that game. Just got He was just in the right place at the right time when we scored all three goals. Fulham were very um, poor that day. Let's, yeah, let's they were. You know, and United but, but, are a better side than Fulham. So yeah, well, United I, are challenging for the for the title, um, and 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 came into this game with in some form, and also had a full strength. Well with form. <laughs> yeah, and also had a full strength side. You know, so that was always going to be a tough ask. And yet, yet he, he, his most notable bad contribution was when the ball fell to him in serious amounts of space, nine or ten yards out, which is a, a strike or an attacker's dream. And his first touch was horrendous, which meant that he couldn't get his shot away with any kind of substance, you know, it was blocked away. But he grew into the game really quickly after that. He, he created our best chance of the game for Pepe, which was a which is absolutely 100% goal bound. I mean, that is a, that is a game-saving tackle from Harry Maguire. Um, Pepe struck that right out of the centre of the bat that is heading to the bottom left-hand corner and, and De Gea would have been motionless that's a fine, fine, fine block uh, from James, player. you're absolutely right and you know something when the ball fell to William you just can't help that it's his confidence levels are so lacking you know, a more confident even with a modicum of confidence he's going to bang that away Bless him. I felt for him there. But, you know, we can't, you know, we said last week when William plays Arsenal average a point, William played, Arsenal got a point. 
Cedric was decent on the left-hand side of the pitch, playing left-back. And you've said it to me, we have probably a better fullback on the wrong side of the pitch than we do having the correct fullback on their strongest side of the pitch in Bellerin on the right. Uh, yeah, you know, um, I thought Cedric had a, a poor game in the Southampton game against them in the FA Cup. And then I think he's played, he's played the following three games at left-back because what we thought was just a niggle to Tierney because he didn't go down in a get in a competitive game. He's now been out for four matches. And again, I'm just going to stick a needle in that about the Tierney point when we come to the transfer window review because that is something that I am seriously agitated about. But subsequently, we've had to now play a right-footed player at left-back for the last four games. And his first game... I think we were poor generally as a team and he didn't have his best game, uh, but he wasn't at fault for anything in that game, as we said on the previous pod. And in the next three games, he has had fine displays. You know, I would I would say sort of, you know, mm-hmm. seven and a half, eight, nine out of 10 games. And I thought he was excellent against Southampton in the league. I thought he was, I think, I think brilliantly to silence the right-hand side when he had Rashford um, down for, for, for the duration of that game. And then I thought he also had a, a really, really good game uh, last night, to be honest, and was was involved a lot. But what you lose from a left back in inside forwards now tend to play with their with their best foot on the opposite side. I left foot to play will play right, left right foot to play will play left. Yep. So in re- retrospective defending, when I was coached, you shield with what you call an open chest, so you feel that you can cover more surface area. Now, just being right footed, you'll just feel stronger moving right so from a defensive perspective he probably hasn't lost anything in his game but obviously if he opens his chest out like that and someone like a Salah who is left footed playing right side has got buckets of pace they could just drop the shoulder and then go and then obviously your all your weight shifted and they're going to be able to hit hit the byline before you accelerate away from you you're absolutely right the, the, the biggest point Bob sorry is in the attacking sense and what you lose from Tierney is the one twos in the triangles where he can play a one two and someone can play the ball beyond him so he can run onto it and on his strongest foot obviously being his left foot he can hit the ball with real purpose across the face of goal now Cedric had to cut back onto his right foot to get the angle, to angle the ball towards the goal. And it's those two or three extra touches. There's been a few crosses that Cedric's made that's not been great. And another thing, you saw him being out of position when Rashford was seemingly in acres of space in the first half and Martinelli shot out of nowhere to defend yeah. against the ball. That um, was brilliant defending. And, and you know, and it worked in the Southampton game, Bob, because we played the ball really quickly because Southampton played such a high line. And Cedric, who actually had the ball pelted at him in that game by Willian, um, funnily enough, hit a fine crossfield ball on his right foot, which led to the third goal. But in the game where they're trying to unlock Wolves and United, and there was a slightly deeper line and a lot more regimented shape in their mm-hmm. back in their back fours. You miss the correct footed um, fullback. And my biggest aggravation about Cedric playing left back is he is the club's best right back. He's having to play out of position. Yeah, that's right. I think I think you know you have a better players playing a better position like that. Just a modicum better. We could have got a result out of the game, but it was a bright performance against a good side. We've got. 
the boy Erdegaard made his debut, played 20 minutes, and rather comically, the Norwegians in Norwegian TV, in their votes, had him as man of the match even before he got on the pitch, had 41% of the vote at one point, which Pick I felt up. was quite injury. But, you know, his debut looked okay. 20 minutes, you could, obviously he's not had many minutes this year. But you say busy. that, his, de- his debut looked okay in, in, in do anything to warrant an opinion. He had 20 minutes, yeah, he pointed... In a, I said this to you on the phone. I like the fact that he's coming to the game and he's assertive and he's telling people where to go, which is what a number 10 should do. But other than clip a couple of five-yard passes back to one another, we've not seen anything of him. And then he's not played last night. So, you know, he's been there at the club now for just over a week and he's played 19 minutes of the 180 available. Yeah, so I don't we didn't know anything about him yet. You know, um, what I did see from him in the 19 minutes is I think that just from that very, very brief interlude, he will be a Mill Smith Rose understudy. I think we'll talk about this a bit more when we review our transfer yeah. in the James, but I can see that you're getting there right. Lacazette had a nasty little bump on the head, Maguire backing him. Look, I know Lacazette did it himself and was backing in as well. That's another thing that I think the officials need to look at in this way. They did it in rugby with the spear tackle. Lots of players getting seriously injured. You're going to have to stop that backing in. You you joking and said it would mean that Harry Kane would lose his USP. But this backing in way of going to the bloke jumping to dislodge them is incredibly dangerous. Someone's going to get really hurt. He's got to be outlawed soon. It's bad. I'm glad that Lacazette came back and was, was fresh and well and, and looked okay quickly. But, you know, it's going to hurt a player soon. Uh, and it'll it'll probably be quite shocking, but it's it's hindsight, and you can't have hindsight where players are going to get hurt. You know, it's great to see that the FA have decided to bring in concussion substitutions, permanent ones. I think that's going to increase safety in the game. No one's going to try and stooge it. Uh, I can assure you of that. There's no point in stooging it because the penalties for stooging a concussion concussion substitution, sorry, uh, fraudulent slip there. Uh, will be far greater than any gains you'll make from it. If you go back to Harlequins back in the 2000s, there with uh, Dean Roberts, I think it was uh, their their coach. He got banned from rugby for coaching for over a year. And Tom, it's uh, not Tom Webb, but Tom Sank, he got banned for a year as well for faking a blood substitution. So that's good to see. But that tackle's got to be changed. James, why didn't we win? And what should we have done differently to have won that game? Because um, it could have gone either way. Yeah, it could have. I mean, it's, it's such fine margins in football. I, I don't, I, I can't really answer that question, to be honest, Bob. I mean, it is fine margins in football. I don't think Willian coming on over, um, I don't think any of the substitutions that he made actually um, prohibited Arsenal doing better than, than the result that they got. It's just it's it's really fine margins. It's 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 six inches either side of Harry Maguire's leg, which is a goal, and it's six inches lower off of Lacazette's free kick, which hits the underside of the bar and goes in. I but mean, then, it's remiss of it's remiss of us not to talk about the great chances that Cavani had missing. Yeah, goal. exactly right. So, open goal, so they had lots of good chances as well. So that could have easily ended up three all as much as nil nil. Yeah, it could exactly. have easily been one nil either way as well. Yeah, so they so, had great chances, and we did well to not lose in that sense. We had good chances; they did well to not lose in that sense. Yeah. I'll go back to point one I made on this whole day, this whole weekly podcast. 
the Fernandez incident. It was a massive game changer last night. It would have been a game changer on Saturday. And I think Man United going down to 10 men, which I think they should have definitely gone down to 10 men, would have changed that game. In but I don't even know why they haven't reviewed it after the game because all the images go around social media. You can't tell me that administrators and statisticians and and, uh, and marketing consultants for these retrospective boards don't follow the images that go around. Twitter is such a strong place to a medium to you know to to comment on on Premier League football especially. No, and so many people have had images of, of that tackle. So why I don't know why you wouldn't retrospectively revisit it. I mean, so, it's been shown more, you know, in the last 24 hours, it's been shown loads of times because, you know, you've got two result, two tackles, two games. One's a red card and a penalty. One's a nothing and a nothing. I mean, there was a free kick given, but that was it. Yeah, so, I mean, look, it, it, it's a fine line thing. Actually, in hindsight, we would have taken four points versus United at the start of the season. We've kept clean sheets against them for 180 minutes. You know, we're playing a right back at left back. And we've got three of our top players injured for the for the second game. It's not a it's not a point dropped. It, you know, it's it's all right. We've missed out on two points, but then so do United feel like they have as well. So I, I didn't. I left that game thinking, you know, we're still. We've still got good momentum here. We've not lost in 2021. You know, we're going into the... And this moves us on to Wolves nicely. We're going into the Wolves game. If we take four points from United at home, Wolves away, that's really good going. And we should have taken four points. And and this game really, really, really fucking agitated me, to be honest. And it's agitated me for the Louise decision because I think that was a huge game changer. But then Arsenal as a whole are not home and hosed here. Arteta and the team are accountable because the game shouldn't even matter at that point, in my opinion. James, you're right. So we've started again. We've got Aubameyang back in the squad, which is great to see, but he's had little or no training. Great to see Saka back in the starting uh, 11. And Pepe was continuing on the left, which is great. Again, Pepe getting more game time. That early chance that fell to Saka, he has to score it. He's got to score that chance, James. He's, I said it to you earlier on, he's no longer the kid in the dressing room. He is touted and regarded and rightfully is one of the top players on the pitch for Arsenal Football Club. Your number one players have got to score the chances they get. If they don't, you will end up losing a game. Uh, well, I think actually we spoke about this a week or so ago about about Bakayo Saka and how he becomes, you know, actually from just people talking about it to being known across the continent as one of the top young talents in Europe. And I said to you, it's quite plain and simple for me, it's numbers. And he still isn't there yet. And, and I thought yeah, that was a, he just stays I, there. Though. Pepe scores again last night, knocks his numbers. You know, contributions per minute. Him versus Saka. I, I'm probably going to say now. If you look at contributions per minute, I think Pepe's numbers are, are certainly eking towards being slightly better now. Well, I, I think they probably are. And I mean, obviously due to the amount of minutes, etc. But you know, they are. Yeah. So you know, I think with that, you know, that being said. You know, I'm sorry to interrupt. If Pepe misses that chance, there's about a million people on Twitter calling him a 72 million pound flop. The boy Saka misses the chance, and it's oh well, you know, da 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 da. With hard, we're, we're skating over the fact he's missed that chance that we could have been. You know, this is an interesting point. 
Last night, whenever I watch football, my missus goes in the other room and watches TV. You know, mm-hmm. she come in and it's about an hour. It's about nearly two and a half hours after thing. We're just watching a bit of TV, and she goes, "Oh, what was the score then?" I went, "We lost two one." She goes, "You lost." She goes, "You lost." But you were like, I only watched the first five minutes, and you were all over them. And I'm like, exactly. You miss your chances. You get reactions like that. <laughs> My missus doesn't sound like that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that, but that's exactly it. And I bring you back to Saka, right? You know, 73 starts in the Premier League now, 19 years old, 150 days, seven goals and 17 appearances as a sub, you know. So he started 57 games or something something in that kind of... I mean, there's a lot of them he's played left wing back and left back, Roger. Yeah, so you've got to yeah, give him yeah, credit yeah. where credit's due. But he was getting right amongst it from left wing back because left wing back was playing more like a midfield player. But... Phil Foden, 53 games in the Prem, 35 as a substitute, 10 goals. I think that's a good point. It's a, it's a relatively interesting comparison. Phil you know, Foden's and, got an embarrassment and, of riches in attacking flair around him. Whereas, you know, you up, know, up, I, until, I mean, up until the, the last few weeks, we were averaging less than a goal a game. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. It's, it, it's individual. Phil, Phil Foden has, has, has had to earn his stripes trying to compete with players like Gundogan, De Bruyne, David Silva, Bernardo Silva and getting his way into that team there. You know, arguably, Bakaya Saka is, is attributed as Arsenal's best player now. Phil, Phil Foden isn't guaranteed to start every. He's not started tonight, and they're they're winning two 0 He's on the bench. So, Absolutely. So, so whilst I appreciate your point, you know, playing with better company, also a lot fucking harder to get into the eleven. And when he has yeah. done, he's gone on and been clinical. That that's inexcusable for me to not take that chance. That's such a clear cut chance. And I said to you last night, he's hit it poorly. He's not hit it purely. Because that's slicing away from goal, you know, and he he doesn't try to get it under control. You know, I think someone like a Pepe who's running in behind there, you know, slides it under his left foot and tries to get the ball somewhat minimally bouncing or, or rolling it on the carpet, and it's a curl into the bottom left hand corner. You know, the open the body up thing. It's kind of like a karate kick kind of volley sort of thing. It just doesn't. It, it, it just body never looks in the right position after he gets in behind. I'll tell you what did look in the right position. The pass was <laughs> from Party. Party, he obviously uh, listened to my earlier momentum and he, he was full of beans last night and he looked unbelievably yeah. slick. His, his ball yeah. distribution was, he was, he was threading. Oh, oh, Party, the first 35 minutes was, was an absolute joy to behold. You know, him and, him and Jacker's distribution was, you know, it, it looked like we were going to have a party. That's the frustration as to why we didn't go in sort of 3 0 up. I thought Saka was unlucky not to win a penalty because we, you know, we spoke about it earlier, the True. Luis thing. I just cannot differentiate between the two. Um, so we did but, have a lot of early domination. We led to a goal. It was disallowed. Lacazette's toe. But that's now. poor as well. You can't play on the shoulder and get and not be offside now. Knowing that you've got VAR there, you have to be so conscious of your positioning. You know, so, so again, and I, I think Saka should have had a first half hat-trick. And I'm going to be harsh on him now because we have played him up to be, oh, now number Golden seven. Boy. Golden boy, new contract. You know, all of the unfortunately, right? I know you. I know you're only 19 years of age, but you know, 
same thing happened to Jaden Sancho. Same things happened to Phil Foden. You've got to be able to live with the hysteria that comes around the accolades and the rewards that you're given, i.e. a proper squad number and a massively improved contract. So yeah, I think the star boy, as he's known, needed to have been better in that period of domination last night. He did. Um, the early domination led to that goal, which was ruled off offside, as I said. Okay, we continue to dominate, continue, and then Pepe. Oh, Pepe, Pepe, Pepe. <laughs> what a f- That was some goal. I don't want to gloat with any of these things, but I have been saying, and I know you've been backing me up, but I would say you've got to give this boy a chance. There's just too much. There's just too much in his archives to suggest he's really got something. And he is one of the first players we've signed in a long time as a winger who is really exciting because they want to get at their fullbacks. I mean, he looks like a fucking horrible person if they're in the mood to mark, you know, how direct he plays. It's class. Um, he's a class player, you know. He's a good player. He's getting... And, and do you know what? He's getting the game time. He's proving... I think he's going to prove us right, you know. I, I think, I think I, massively, I at, you've got to... You, look, I'm about to attack Arteta, so I must attribute him with respect when he warrants it. And what he's added to Pepe's game, he's obviously worked hard with him because it was notable, his tracking as well. In the first 35 minutes where we were so dominant, it was largely because the front three worked their bollocks off and they won the ball back. And then they were back at walls and back at them and back at them. And, and there was a couple of times where he had to double up with Cedric because Cedric's bombed on or, or you know, Jack is covering the middle. And you see Pepe for a short burst of 20 minutes where he just gets his head down and really covers space super quickly. Um, the goal was class, James. The goal was absolute class. The bloke played brilliantly that first half last night. You mentioned about his link-ups with uh, Cedric. I think he he's really working well with whomever he plays with on that left-hand side. I think that's really... He's, he's, got a relationship to... with Cedric. he's got a relationship with Cedric from the Europa League. They played the right side together, haven't they? Yeah. Um, so talking and, about the bloke on the right side, he uh, is absolutely... James, I, I'm telling you now, he is shit. Bellerin is... a. am really worried that we've let Maitland-Niles go and we've, we've got Bellerin as our right back. That's a worrying thing for us. He's got... I, I said it to you. He's got that distinct touch of the Willians about him. He's poor. His standard setting is poor. And he only plays well on the rarest of occasions. And he's captain in the team. This was the point I'm going to make about Xhaka now. Xhaka is playing and leading the team and playing in such a way, as is Leno. There are so many better candidates when you're not selecting a Bamiang to be the captain of that team. Okay, Tierney's injured, so you can't count him. Lacazette's one of them. Xhaka's one of them. Louise is one of them. Leno... Leno. Yeah. Leno, 100%. So let's look at Louise. He's been suspended. Okay, he has a bit of a head in him. But he's a leader on the pitch. Xhaka's got a bit the same. Maybe I just never the, see, I never see, Bellerin, I never see Bellerin get verbal. He just he just looked like that kind of aggy school kid who just eyes you up when you've got into a debacle with one of his pals in the playground, like in year 11, you know, at the end where Cody's fist-pumping uh, the ref. And he's just got his hands behind his back just watching it. You know, that is where you want... The Karathion, you know, the heart, the passion of a um, 
of a Xhaka. You know, Xhaka well, was distraught at the end of that game. And I actually, he got a lot of kudos from me for that. He, he, he's, he's poured it out on the pitch for 90 minutes there. Um, and we move into this point. I, I'm not going to say a lot about Bellerin because I, I've, I've been very vocal about him this season. And, and I think when we get to the transfer window, maybe I'll, di- I'll, I'll, I'll digest a little more because it's, it's one of the multiple fuck-ups Arsenal have made not moving him on with, with, a, with a genuine offer on the table this season. And that's all I'm going to say on it. But so we, Can we get to that moment? The moment is the penalty and the sending off. It changed yeah. the game completely. We've talked about where we think about that sending off has a position in VAR and officiating. We know it's a fucking diabolical decision. Hashtag FOTW. It's an awful, awful decision. It's changed the game. It's made we've gone in at halftime one apiece, which is ridiculous. Arsenal are appealing it. Thank God for that. And it's ridiculous. But then... We go from the sublime as Arsenal to the ridiculous as Arsenal, and this and, is and this is where this is where I believe Arteta and I was talking to a good friend of mine. He is on Twitter, Skipper AFC. He's an absolute legend of the game. So if you don't follow him, do get behind him. He's a good pal of mine, and he speaks a bucket of sense. But this is where, for me, Arteta has gone from all the, the good work he's done since Boxing Day has completely overturned it with showing me why I was concerned about him leading the football club as manager. Because he is he is naturally a Mourinho-esque, very negative manager. And I'll and I tell you as for why. Because... There were so many alternative things he could have done at the start of that half. The most obvious one was do nothing. Yes, 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 yes. And just actually just say, that happened on the stroke of half time. I don't even know what it's done to the shape of the game. But the beauty of it is I get a 15-minute rest. I can go and tell the guys you've got to work really fucking hard now. Let's just have a look at it for five to ten minutes. And then just, or, or 15, 10 to 15 minutes. And then let's just, let's just make an opinion as to where we want to be. Guys, work really, really tough. I've got plenty of artillery on the bench because we've got nine subs now. So if you can just guide us through to 70-75 and then I can make the right changes and we can see where we're going to push on with the game or just make sure that we've got a point ironclad. But no, I'm, I'm taking off our number nine, our talisman, our top goal scorer who's in great form and is working really hard for the team to bring on uh, a centre-half who's actually been subject since his return from COVID-19. That's a fuck-up. Monumental fuck up. James, as you said, there's so many other things you could do. The obvious was do nothing. Spot on. You know, you could have taken off the already shockingly poor behaving Bellerin, brought on Gabriel for him, played three at the back uh, with holding in the middle Cedric on the right-hand side. Gabriel on the left hand side. Yeah. That would have given a straight. You, sl- you, could, you could have slotted Jacker into the into the centre half position, ask Party to just screen in front, tell Smith Rowe he's got to do a job, like and and and, and just say Lacker just drop into a nine and a half. Yeah. Or, you know, we've seen Lacazette play different positions before in the 10 role. Maybe, maybe it's not the time for Smith Rowe to be leading the line, which he was doing. And he was Maybe obviously it's... off the back of an injury worry. You've got Smith Rowe, Party, and Saka all in that team who have been doubts for the game in, in the previous week or two. All with, of with, them with injuries were arrested. Yeah. All of them arrested for the Southampton Cup game. 
Now let's well, say and that. also that all of them, all, if all of them, they've said, oh, he's got a bit of an inflammation on the calf, or you know, he's tight here, or you know, we're being precautious or whatever. So, and you're asking all of them after 45 intense minutes to have to up it to make way for the fact that you're playing a man down, and you've not chosen to take one of those three players off. You've taken your number nine off. Lacazette gives you. Lacazette should never come off. He gives you gives that team so much more cohesion in between different parts of the pitch. That was a bad, bad substitution, and blood is on Arteta's hands there. Now you can't suggest. I mean, first and foremost, that Wolves penalty they scored. Ian Dark wonderfully said, "No goalkeeper that's ever breathed is going to save that." What a fantastic bit of commentary! You're absolutely <laughs> right. That was you a enjoy very Ian good. Ian Dark. Ian Dark, local, local to me actually. But then their second goal from Maltinho was a worldy. Let's let's. It was a yeah. great goal. Without wedding, though, we're down. We've we've already made but the that, substitution. That, that goes. We in. look clueless that, and shocked. But Bob, that that goes in, and it's not just saying, "Oh, it's easy to say that." I'm like, no, it's not. It's not. You know, because you're saying you've taken Lacazette. You can't undo a substitution. You know, That's just true. because you brought on another centre back doesn't mean you can't concede. You know, and you're you're now you've now made a complete fuck up of an error of a substitution because you now need to actually sacrifice a defender in order to do that. What are you going to fucking hook Gabriel after being on the pitch for 10 minutes to bring a Bamiang on? You know, you can't do it. You know, because it's not... Yeah, yeah, exactly. I know what you're saying. But bad management has been uncovered there. It's kind of like a karma kind of thing. You've gone so negative and your negativity has proven to be your downfall. And then at 2-1... They can just completely fucking control the game. Then, then he makes the fucking massive fuck up in the 64th minute and he hooks arguably now the player who's most in form in Pepe in the last four games with the way he's been playing for a guy who hasn't trained for fucking 10 days. And okay. says, go, go on in the pissing rain in Wolverhampton. You've hardly, you've hardly had a kick. He's had two training sessions and go and find me something in 30 minutes. And that, again... Is, is fucking juvenile management. Mate, let's not say this. Aubameyang hasn't been out injured. You know, he's been away with something really severe that's happening in his private life. So his head is deservedly elsewhere. He's probably not mentally match fit to go and really drag a result out. He looked non-existent. And I'm not going to slate him for being non-existent. No, no. Because not- I don't think he should be on the pitch. No, I, don't, I totally agree. But what, what's Aubameyang like thinking... You know, I've lo- we've lost a player, and then it's it's fucking zero degrees in Wolverhampton. You have bypassed the free, you have bypassed the free birds sharing an eyeball that you love. Ah, my friends, <laughs> they, they have haunted the shit out yes, of me. They have really, really had you. That is um, karma biting you on the arse. Yeah, that is the that is the Robert karma. But, and but no, yeah, but this is it, James. And you're he's absolutely got, right. He's, he's, he, you know. It, it's the totally the wrong substitution. What you should have done there in that instance, in my opinion, is Pepe should have been moved to the right-hand side and you should have taken Saka off. It's one of, it's one of Saka's poorer games, in my opinion. And he's still coming back from that hip injury. Yeah. No, he's still you know. So what it does look like, and this is, this is your line, the, the substitutions have shown up Arteta as a coach who is more concerned about not losing a game than he is winging it, winning it. He is winging it. You're right. Sorry, winning the game. I know, but you were. Your your typo, (laughs) per se, is correct. He is fucking winging it. 
beat. And, ten and men aside, to... we are miles ahead in that game. We could have won that game with ten men, no problems at all. Even what it led me to look well at, Bob, was actually. Am I am I being fucking am I in you know, am I fucking John Lennon playing chess with Yoko singing Imagine here rose tinted glasses up to fuck thinking oh, oh, we turned a corner I'm thinking we played a Chelsea side that was subsequently um, sacked their manager weeks later we've beaten Brighton which if you don't you are in a relegation battle you know we've drawn nil nil to Palace which is a which was a dreadful game we've beaten Newcastle who are arguably one of the worst sides in the league at that point. And with you know, and beating Southampton was a good result. But you know, fucking Man United beat them nine 0 last night. So in the fact that we got nine. turned over by them in the FA Cup's been further highlighted by they're actually in a bit of a pickle themselves. And bearing in mind they're trying to take players from us on loan, you know, to plug buckets. So they know that they're short around deadline dinner with, with Maitland Niles. So we haven't actually done anything astronomically brilliant in the period that we've turned it around. Now, maybe and, the results people, have sugarcoated the performance. Yes, they have. have well, because people, we have, people have come out and said, oh, fucking Arsenal. You know, but we've got the second best defence in the league. Well, we've lost fucking nine games in 22. Yeah, we, we lose one in three games. We almost lose fucking one in two. We lose 46% of our games. So the best defensive record is the fact that Arteta does not just want to get beat big by trying to win games, which is the point you just made. He just means that he'd rather lose 2-1 instead of 4-1 and actually have a go at it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. mate, you're right. Whereas Wenger would have tried to win the game. Okay, so Leno, he's had a head off. He's got sent off. That's it. Fuck me, pal, you cretin. Uh, it now looks like we could be having the boy Runison up against the former understudy to Leno in Martinez. <laughs> Uh, I'm not looking forward to that game now. You know, I think we could. I think if we have eleven men on the pitch, we'll be all right. You know, I think we'll beat Villa. You know, really? Put that, uh-huh. Yeah, I think we'll beat Villa. I think we'll beat well, Villa. I know. You, well, I know we've got to do predictions before we do transfer window and wrap up. But I, I think we'll draw against Villa, and I, because I don't think they're going to overturn Luigi's decision. Heard nothing today, which which is slightly concerning. If they've appealed it, can Louise play whatever because they're considering it? I'm not sure. I'm not overly sure. It's 12.30 kickoff on Saturday. Nice early kickoff. Lovely. Uh, I can actually watch one at a normal time. Here's one, mate. I don't like a 12.30 kickoff. I've I've never never liked it. I never used to like them when we played in Europe the same week because I always used to think we were still on the plane, but... You know, give give you know whenever I whenever I used to go to the Emirates at twelve I used to have to get up too early uh, you yeah. know because at twelve you you know you gotta you gotta get to the boozer still get, in bacon you, mode not beer mode yeah so one uh, of the yeah, funny ones bacon roll and a pint of Guinness works but it's not the best thing <laughs> oh, yeah. so I'll find my I'll find myself this Saturday out the pub as an option I'll I'll open up with a, a bloody Mary or something and see you where could I go, go to the Isle of Man old boy you know they are fully operational now <laughs> hey let's let's try that one then but anyway so yeah, look, yeah we've, lost, we've, we've handed look, that uh, game the second them. half the second half is really poor management and I bring the point back I made it a pod or two ago the advice that Arteta is getting from the experienced team he's built around him he's either built a team of yes men because he's that arrogant and wants to operate completely as his own or 
they are just not fucking stepping up and saying, this is wrong. You don't do this. Let's just have a look after 60 minutes. There's no need to be super proactive at the moment. It's happened on the stroke of half time. We were talking about VAR and the refs earlier. A point I forgot to make, which I made to you before we started, was the referee is about to blow. I think it was over the allotted time. And then he allowed another attack to to unfold. We haven't actually talked about the defensive element that led to the fucking Louise sending off, which is Leno, Bellerin and Holding all had showers of games. That was one, that was a dreadful game by Holding. He was positionally caught out all day. Bearing in mind a game that we completely dominated for 44 minutes as well. But the positioning of Bellerin and Holding, the fucking pass on was was on left as well. But the guy's just gone through the middle because Louise is trying to bust the gut from pressing up. But Holding and Bellerin have compressed so tight that they've actually let the guy in left. They can score that goal in two ways if they want. That's, no, that is dreadful. And Leno's glued, Leno's glued to his line. The guy gets fouled seven yards out. You know that you should be diving at his feet there and making yourself big. I mean, if, if Louise doesn't touch him, the guy's got the whole goal to aim at because you're on your line six yards out. You don't, professional footballer um, doesn't miss with their wrong foot blindfolded and piss. You know, but if you're <laughs> seven yards out, all of a sudden the target's fucking. The target's fucking tiny. So all three of them are to blame in, in the point leading up to that. And I think actually if Leno's gone to ground at the same time that Louise has clipped him, that can't be a penalty kick. But he's made it look so last man because he's nowhere near the ball. And, and the guy's made a fairly heavy touch. He's not got it under super close control. So it's a bad touch as well. Yeah, yeah. but look, <laughs> Bellerin Arteta had a, substitutions. Yeah, and, and that and that's cost the bit that's made my yeah that's made my piss boil so much. And you you know if you if you're worried about losing the game, which we were two one down at the time, you don't you start thinking about the next game, which is what Wenger used to do. You don't hook Pepe after scoring a wonder goal. Um, and, and he's starting to really, really find his feet in the team, thinking that he's got the management confident in him. And, and you know, and it's just not the kind of game that you need to bed a Bamiang in for. If that's the game, take a, take Smith Rowe off and get another. I said this to you: get another twenty-five minutes of Erdegaard under your belt. See what he can do. Just allow him to get more minutes in his legs. He'd only played three hundred and fifty minutes in the Spanish league in the build-up to coming to us. Mm-hmm. So the match time actually is a positive if you're trying yeah, to I have think competition. You're, I think you're right there. You could you could have brought Erdegaard on to play and potentially allow. Pepe and Saka to play more advanced and actually fill up the midfield a bit more. But no, in all, in all due respects, James, we could go through that match. That we have gifted three points by Arsenal to Wolves. Yeah. The Amazon yeah, delivery guy delivering it was the incompetent Craig Paulson. Yes, Craig. We did see you celebrating with the Wolves players. We yeah, did. I don't. I don't fucking buy into that. Like, players are allowed to be happy when they fucking stolen victory from the clutches of defeat. A, a referee, you know, referee is. You, you should. I was always taught to shake the referee's hand or the umpire's hand or, or any official at the end of a sporting. I think game. it was it's, the, it's, the, it's, the, it's, the it's point. It's the correct. It's the correct etiquette. I'm. Look, I, I, I don't care to entertain that point. If you want to talk about it? Feel free. But. I think I like. I do like the Arsenal lads the way they've posted it in social media. Though they've all they all had a go. Every single one from Gabriel to Louise. Louise's post on social media was brilliant. Uh, Gabriel obviously followed that up. You've had Shaka posting uh, a phenomenal post. Bellerin getting on the action. They've all had a little post. And you know what? I think that there comes a time when players should do that because that was a diabolical decision, and the players deserve 
their opportunity. But Louise walks. Louise actually walks to start with and walks back. He doesn't go batshit crazy at the referee. He, get, he he makes a good fifteen or twenty strides, and then they decide to look at VAR. So well, he probably thinks VAR's going to overturn it. No, because he starts to walk off the pitch. Then he realizes, hang on a minute, there's another, there's another go here. There's VAR. You know, you see batsmen start walking in cricket, then all of a sudden they get a little shout. No, if they, uh, if they, no, 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 it's the nerve of someone like a Stuart Broad who edges it to second slip, who fucking stands his ground and says, prove it. Yeah, remember that. Yeah, so that, that, that's the fucking point. That is the, that's the only really telling evidence that I can physically see that Luis thinks he's touched him because he starts to walk off. But look, that being said, you're like firing me up now, which is the worst thing because I'm about to analyze the transfer window and it's the thing Good. that I, it's the thing that, that aggravates me the most. But th- there were so many elements of that game last night which showed me that Bellerin's playing because we had, and let's just, I'm just going to blend into transfer window if you're happy for me to do so. Well, okay, then. Let's, let's talk transfer window. Fine, perfect. Kalashinac leaves with a pre-agreed deal, obviously, before January the 1st, because as soon as fucking New Year's Day and the chimes of Big Ben ring, he's out the door to Schalke. And before we even fucking know it, he's playing in a 4-0 win and like, and is being lambasted as Schalke's saviour. So we have been... That's 32 days ago. And we now know that... you know, And as backup left-backs go to your first-tier player... Kalashnach is a fairly good candidate for a, in abbreviated commas, backup left back. So you, you have to replace him. He was the only, out of all the players who were terminated in this window that the fans are going batshit for, saying how happy they are with Edu and, and um, Mikel. He was the only player registered for all competitions. So he is one that you feel like you have to replace. You can't start playing fucking um, Saka into the Swiss Army knife and putting him back at left wing. Um, at left back because he started to show his real quality in the front three. So what's your alternative? So let's start the point. Some say it was a great window. Others Which say is fucking wasn't. mental, honestly. Uh, pe- I people am- that say that need medical checks. It was not a great window. I'm Sorry, I don't believe it was a great window because... Arsenal, Arsenal haven't had a great transfer window. Arguably, actually, when they, they signed Mkhitaryan, I joke at that because you know how I rate open about that this week um, and we can get on to that if people want to hear it and Aubameyang in a January transfer window and move Sanchez on who would become a little bit venomous that's actually probably a great window you know the signing of Aubameyang and replacing Sanchez with Mkhitaryan that was exciting other than that Arsenal haven't had a great transfer window in, a, in over a decade it's been a very long time since you've done anything of any magnificence yeah and you know James, you said it's a four out of ten window. I think they might be quite bold as to say it was that high. It's clearing out the dead wood. The way we've done it by just letting them walk out the club for free is not that impressive, really, because it's that's small free transfer window. fees, and then you've got any compensation. Now, I have it on fairly good authority from a, I'm going to say an unnamed friend who who I, who I know is reasonably well connected from times ago, and I'm I, I'm happy to say that. And he assures me that we had to make a contribution to Mustafi's salary for the remaining six months of his deal. We've had to pay a part of Kalasanak's salary at Schalke. So Schalke got half a each contrib- on that. Half each Sch- on that. Yeah. So I, I understand we're paying 25% of Mustafi's salary and 50% of Kalasanak's salary. So, okay, they've taken 185,000 euros a week from us, but I'm pretty sure we're paying about 
80 of it. Yeah, what I've, what I've heard with Kalan, the Kalanisic deal was he apparently has taken a pay cut. So he's taken a pay cut of around about 25%. The remaining 75% is being split evenly between Schalke and Arsenal. I'm not too sure on the Mustafi deal. Obviously, you've said that. But the trouble is, and I, uh, you know, I like to use an analogy, James. You know, when you're walking outside and you see the the farmhouse or the country the country house type place, and they've got the logs outside. There are two types of place. There's the one that has a sign saying logs five quid each, or the one that says logs help yourself. And the ones that when you have the logs that say five quid each, you put them on the fire, and there's a sweet sweet smell in your front room when you light them. The ones that are free are damp and horrible. Probably have about, they probably have about 14 voles living in them. And that's why they're being given away for free. We have had to give away assets for free. And we've been a, we've been a serial offender of doing this. Bakari Sagna, Aaron Ramsey, a serial offender of allowing assets to totter along out the doors at the Emirates for jack shit. Ozil, we didn't want to play him. We had to get rid of him. There's so many reasons why that was a sensible thing to do. Was the deal a good deal? Well, because he's of his wages, it probably was. But not the inability to sell Kananasic, Socrates, and Mustafi in two windows. And people will say this. Well, this is Edu's first two windows. It's the only time you can judge him. Okay, then. I'll fucking judge him. Why haven't you sold him? Why haven't you sold him? Even if you sell them for a couple of million each, 500,000 each, it is better than nothing. Well, Mustafi started the day at a £2 million acquisition of Schalke. And then the day ran on a little bit. And Liverpool were starting to try and um, obtain the Schalke centre-half and the deal was getting closer. Then it was like, we've been informed it's a termination. And then towards the end, it was like, this will actually, because it's getting closer and closer to the five o'clock deadline in Germany, it'll be a loan deal. And then obviously at that point, his contract's terminated. Arsenal have said, Skodran has ended his four and a half year career with Arsenal. But the, the way in which it's written from Schalke is that he signed on a six-month contract, which I think is like a fixed-term contract. So it's not quite a loan and it's not quite a permanent deal because Mustafi is not going to subject himself to second-tier football in Germany because Schalke, there's a very good chance that Schalke get relegated. There um, is now. <laughs> and so, so, yes, it is technically a contract termination because he is on loan for the remainder of his Arsenal contract but they are still having to make a contribution for Schalke to take him on and he will not be a Schalke player if they do go down so I'm led to believe so we've had to pay Mustafi off which and and I make all these points and you know sometimes just because of the way I operate I go into business mode but we've paid Mustafi off we've had a set I believe we've we've actually not had to do a settlement with Ozil we've had to do a settlement with Socrates though and also making a contribution to Kolasinac's wages. Um, on top of that, I think Nice have actually taken Saliba on uh, paying 100% of his salary. There's no loan fee. And we've paid a loan fee for Erdegaard, which is inclusive of, of covering his full wages plus a small fee to Real Madrid. But in regards to a club that is supposed to be self-sufficient in abbreviated commas, and you've just taken a £125 million Bank of England loan that is cash flow starvation. It, you know, it is actually physically better for your for your balance sheet for these players to stay 
unregistered, getting their money every month, not having to pay out the contracts up front. Yeah, it's 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 ridiculous. And again, like you know, so people are all you know. This is where fans are fickle, and they fuck me off. And or people that have an opinion, whether it be journo's, uh, I don't know, fucking um, street folk, carnies, you're all right, whoever you whoever they may be. You know, the whole oh, you know, like the picture that comes out of Kalasinac, Ozil, and and Mustafi, but like oh, you know, it's just like it's it's bullshit. It's it's, it's as true as fucking. Aubameyang's wife cheated on him and that's why he's not and that's why he's getting a divorce he's not playing oh actually the the truth is his fucking mum had a severe injury or, or, or illness and, and he wanted to be by her bedside because he's a very much a family man so you know fucking Kalasinic and Ozil fought for one another in fucking knife crime in North London absolutely like, <clears throat> you know Mustafi has just been under a tirade of, of, of assault from Arsenal fans ever since he's been crap, which is the day we signed him. But Absolutely. That, that bloke but, is fucking crap. But that must probably mean for him to start, carry on pulling on a shirt and staying at the football club. He must have, he must have a reasonable relationship with, with his teammates. Otherwise, it would be the worst place in the fucking world to live. And everyone who everyone came out and said Ozil was a positive influence on the football club, even to the day he left the football club. Absolutely. So, he played last night, actually, for Fenerbahce. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's played as many minutes for Fenerbahce now as Erdegaard has played for us. So, Should we so, talk about Erdegaard? <laughs> so he's played 20 minutes in out of he's not, even, he's not, actually. I just checked out. He's played seven minutes. He came in in the 83rd minute. So, mate, so there you go. He's cost us, it's 140 grand a game he worked out, isn't it, James? 140,000 euros per match, yeah. allowing him to be part of the team for 25 games. Wow. So, is, is, is it, is it, are we in danger of another Kim Kalstrom all over here? No, I don't know because I haven't seen him play long enough, but I can't believe he's completely match fit. Or another Denis Suarez. Yeah, I think the Denis Suarez liking is the one that's been there now. But everyone got, and, and this is why I don't understand why there was such, you know, hysteria for this lad. You know, with we, with nine tweets, three Instagram posts, a fucking ten minute video giving him a number eleven. This, this guy's I mean, going to be an, he's going to be an employee of our football club for 150 days. I mean, I, I, hope, mean, I really hope that my views on it are that he's going to be coming and be a good player are <laughs> correct. And I, I really hope that you, we can sit here in a few weeks' time, James, and you can say, do you know what? That boy's class. And I, I think there's potential for that. You know, Matt Ryan was a fantastic signing, but that's now clever. he's that is clever. Now he's injured. But, yeah, I mean, and, and that's mad because he hasn't even put the gloves on. He's obviously passed a medical, so he's obtained an injury in training at Arsenal. Which happens all the time. Party gets injured as well, mate. Arsenal's... Clearly got injured Arsenal, in training, didn't he? He yeah, didn't get injured in the game. Arsenal's player welfare. Martinetti and, got clapped, didn't he? Um, yeah, preventing... Which is what his setback. Yes, that's what I think was his original injury, wasn't it? You know, the training ground injuries that Arsenal get is woeful. Ever since the, the great Gary Lewin left, we lose players left, right, and centre. Injury, 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 injury. It's ridiculous. That needs the to rehabilitation change. That's another... has, the rehabilitation at Arsenal has always been, an, always been an issue. Players take way longer to get back at Arsenal than they do at other clubs. You know, Tierney was supposed to be a niggle. He's missed four games. You know, and that goes all the way back to Tony Colbert, who had ongoing issues with Wilshire, Van Persie. There were problems with Walcott. 
Um, you know, some of these players brought in their personal strength and conditioning coaches because they thought that the coach at Arsenal was an issue for them. Which... You know, this is the this is the same team that Arsene Wenger came in and said, "No more miles bars. You're going to do this, do this, do this, do this." Yet we seemingly, you know, Harry Kane gets chopped in half, has his leg hanging off, fucking blood pouring out of his face, and what have you. And that's before he's got injured. <laughs> no, and then and then. He's, oh yeah, Harry Kane's out for six weeks. A minute, like two weeks later, he's scoring against us. You know, it's almost like other teams have, like they take their players to the. Uh, yeah, I, I can't the, remember the, I can't remember the Holy the last, Grail. I can't remember the last player that got injured and came back promptly. It, it, they always feel like that it's, you know, it's it's like, oh, when's he back? When's he actually back? Yeah, and you know, and the party one was so bizarre. He missed so he missed so much football. Considering he doesn't miss it normally, that's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But look, let's not digress away from the transfer window. But we're making a lot of points which contribute to it. So you've terminated five guys, but you've still left your squad short. You know, my biggest issue is that I think actually the mismanagement from Vinay, Edu, Rausnay and Ivan Gazidis has actually allowed the Cronkies to sit back and say, you guys can fuck right off because why the fuck am I giving you money when you give me no resaleability on my asset? I give you 40 million quid, yeah? You fucking let it walk out the door for nothing. I give you 35 million quid, he fucks off for nothing and costs us a pay down. You know, I give you 17 million quid for Socrates, he fucks off and walks out the door for nothing. And then when you're actually breeding people through the academy that we've paid for our fucking asses for, you get a 20 million pound offer for a centre forward who's third choice, arguably could be fourth choice if you if you invest in Balogun and you, and you say absolutely not keeping him in the team. You get a 20 million pound or 25 million pound bid potentially for a right back who's been out of favour and has, has got and is a divide with the with the fan base. You completely turn it down. You get a seven million pound bid for a player that we couldn't get Arsenal to pick for love nor money, which would have made us cash neutral on his in, on his on his employment. You turn it down. You haven't played him since the turn of Christmas. You know, it's you know, James. It, it's been historic, though. You go back to the, you get twenty million pound fucking bid in the summer for Maitland Niles from two different clubs. You loan him out to West Brom on deadline day. Yeah, that again, and he's barely kicked the fucking ball season in the Premier League. You know, cash your fucking chips in. By the Awobi and the Oxlade Chamberlain deals, I said this a couple of pods ago, and we reviewed player sales. We have never ever achieved top ticket money for our best players. It's always been undervalued. Awobi was a huge overvalue. I don't even understand how that deal got done, but that was a deadline day deal when they missed out on Zaha and they were scratching around for, a, for an alternative. So we, we did cash in then, but that was just money for, you just, it was, it's irrefusable, 35 million for Awobi. And then the £40 million deal for Oxlade-Chamberlain. I actually feel for Oxlade-Chamberlain. He's had some dreadful injuries in his career. And he, he has, he, yeah. showed, he, showed, he showed so much promise. You know, but he's the Champions League and the Premier League um, trophy winner. So he can, he can tell you to go fuck yourself. But, he's banging one of Little Mix. Yeah, exactly. And that's £67 million in resales, Bob, and about three hundred and, and two hundred to £300,000 a week in wages 
that you could have moved on, which would have bought you one or two superstars. 67 million quid would have bought you 40 million pound central midfielder, which would have been, or an attacking midfielder, if you look at a Basuma in the role next to, if you want to give Jack a competition, or Buendia, if you want to give ESR a competition, it'd give you 10 million quid for some uh, backup at right back, which could be a number of alternatives. And you would have been able to have taken Bertrand, Tyrick Mitchell, or um, Patrick Van Arnholt for five million quid because they've all got six months left on their contracts. You could have spent the money um, on free players um, like that, and you probably would have replaced the wages. And that would have given you squad depth. Now, I'm sitting here as just a fucking humble football fan, and the only time I get close to making decisions for Arsenal is on fucking FIFA on my PlayStation 4. But how do I see that? And that is ignored by senior officials earning millions of pounds per year. And that's why we continue to have three or four out of ten transfer windows. We're always we're always treading water, we're always trying to clean up the mess of the previous window. You know, this transfer window has always been about cleaning up the mess of the Urzel situation, cleaning up the mess of not being able to sign Uwa situation. You know, it's always been about the mess of signing Willian. You know, that was a mess. Let's let's not discount that is a bad, bad thing. You know. You telling me that we've moved on all those players that you've moved on from the side, knowing their surplus requirements, knowing they're not in the team. Okay, moving them all on is a good thing for Arsenal. You know, them no longer being in the club means that we can hopefully rebuild and be in a situation for the summer to improve. That said, what we've done in this window and the window before and the window before that, you know, and the window go before that, if you know, you want to talk the last four windows, is we've gradually worsened ourselves by buying this player here, overinflating that here. Now we we you know we we always elude and skip over the fact we've paid nigh on 30 million pounds for a player in Saliba who's never kicked a ball for us. Saliba's value at the moment is is 12 million quid, I would say. 12, 12 million pounds. And I think that's ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. And also, they've not made a decision on Lacazette. What are you doing with Lacazette? Your top goal scorer's got a year left on his contract in the summer. What are you doing yeah, there? You, you know, know, James, um, I would really like to talk long and hard about the Lacazette situation. Because Ch- Chambers bring, has got a year left on his We should bring some deal. numbers in. Chambers has got a year left on his deal, I think, in the summer. Louise is out of contract. Uh, Mustafi's think- gone. Socrates is gone. You've got, so, you, you know, what do you do with Saliba? You've, he fucking probably hates London. Um, How do you solve a problem like Saliba was the great song. Yeah, and I think that the Matt Ryan deal is sensible. It's a six-month loan, and then they can sign him on a free in the summer. And he is he's come out as an Arsenal fan. He wants to give Leno a problem. It's a shame he's not fit, because he would get a chance to give him a proper problem now. I, I, I think he'll play at the weekend. You, you think that he'll just go make uh, make a miraculous comeback? Yeah, well, I've, I've had the prayer mat out myself, so I'll be uh, you know hoping that that's happened. Uh, okay, you know. nice to like that, Prima. And, and and that's that. But but Bob, we're still having to scratch around in regards to registration of players. You've got to remember, Kalasnach is coming back to the club in the summer. He's not out. I don't think he is quite out of contract yet. No, there so, is a there's a there's a I think there's an option to buy if they stay up. But otherwise, he's coming up back. That's absolutely right. The European registration window happened today. Yeah. Runasun was the bloke that missed out. Yeah, so obviously we, we've you lost signed him. You signed him six months ago. For a million pound. You know, I know it's a million quid. People are like, oh, fucking nothing in football. But it is when you've taken a £125 million pound loan to plug a bucket. Yeah. It's still giving money away that you're not getting in ticket sales or or um, 
or shirt sales or, 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 or match day beverage, food and beverages sales, you know, and you being in the industry would know that that would be a considerable amount of profit each week that they don't it's get. It's absolute around. hard profit. Total. So it's about still, £4 million pound a week. Yeah. Game. It, yeah, well, there you go. That's a lot. You know, so it's still complete negligence. It's fucking naive, honestly. You know, and it's what you do to people. It's, it's what you do to these players mentally as well. Now, I... Leaving Brunison out was the right thing to do because it's been a calamity signing. But then, you know, it's, it's, it's to make way for everyone else. So, again, you know, look, Bob, we had this problem when when Wenger went close in 15-16 to surprisingly winning the league again. And, and and we knew when we had the when we had the breakthrough with the Urzel and Sanchez signings that we were potentially always two players away. It was someone to come in and play with Ramsey in midfield. And it was that. It was potentially that top draw centre half. And, and probably at the time as well, arguably a left back, albeit, you know, because Gibbs had a little run in the side and Monreal did. But and, and the goalkeeper. But they were always like Wenger's two signings away from being first or second instead yeah, of fighting think, for four. I think, or I think fifth. that's exactly it. And that and that was five or six years ago. And that then ten years to, ago, James. That then got well, that then got to three players and, and then it got to four players. And now, you know, them just clearing out some of this dead wood, yeah, well, it's still, you, you still, with what you're obligated to do in regards to the registration of players, they still need to go into this team and remove five players in the summer and replace them with another five players. It's a fucking humongous task for a transfer window. Do you think that is up to it? No, I don't think I don't think the club have been up to it, and that and and, and I think they've given the Cronkies an excuse to think twice about injecting money in because they're like that's yeah. not how it works in in American sports. You buy assets, right, and you get return of income on them. You could, because we trade out, we don't make these fuck ups like this situation. You know where you you guys bought we we bought, uh, they might no they weren't in charge. They, they could have been shareholders when Aaron Ramsey um, joined Arsenal, but you yeah, they would have been. You bought it was an, an, it was an Emirates baby, wasn't he? So yeah, it would have been. You bought an asset for five million quid. You let it walk out the door for nothing. But his actual resale value for a large part of his career between 2013 and 2017 was arguably 50 million pounds. And then you had to yeah. go and pay 50 million pounds for party plus 220 grand a week or whatever the fuck John Cross said was what he was on, which has ended up costing you fucking 100 million quid over a four-year contract. So why the fuck are you spuffing money? You know, irresponsibly, and that's and what, it. It's a lot of irresponsibleness that, and it's, it's it's naivety, it's irresponsibility, it's negligence, it's incompetence, and it is a lack of wanting to do the right thing. That's Edu, that's Sonali, that's uh, Vinay, that's Gazidis before him. You and can I don't, flick a little bit of blame at Arsenal's door. You can do yes, because yes. I think Wenger has come back and said when I was in control, I, you know, I asked for stuff and the board said, just batten down the hatches for us and just do your utmost to see if you can get Champions League with what we I give I think you. that did happen in the early days, yeah. And, and, well, and I think he, he was very he's vocal about it in his most recent um, publicised book, I believe. You know, it is the story of two tales at Arsenal. You know, first 10 years, major honours. Second 10 years, can you secure top four whilst we build an empire? Not to defend Wenger, because I think he is. Uh, I, I think he has had transfer windows where he's been very naive. You know, like only signing check in a window and stuff like that. It's just madness. Um, I remember because that it's because it's, it, it's very much an eat or be eaten industry. 
Yeah, and if everyone improves around you, you do realise that your competitors have made more ground on you by you doing nothing. So, um, <laughs> um, uh, eat, hobby, eaten. That reminds me, it's coming up to dinner time in How Towers. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Sorry, and I know we, I know we're going on a bit, but I keep saying to you that you know I, I perceive football as the you know you play in two leagues. You play in a transfer window league. And you play actually the physical football league and one contributes to the other. And we keep failing in transfer windows, which makes it an almost impossible task. And this is where I have to give a bit of solace and comfort for Arteta because he has got a clipped wing exercise. And that this is probably why you're never going to bring in a really high ticket manager because they're just not used to being asked to compete with a completely different set of budgets and, and and if you sell one of those three players or an Enketia gets sold or someone like this Bob you know like you can you don't have to you don't have to spend three million euros on Erdegaard you can spend 12 million euros on a Draxler and, and, and actually yeah. bed in a player who's on a permanent contract who has to be completely accountable for his actions by the time Erdegaard settled in which is going to take all of February it's been March He's due back to his parent club on the 1st of June. I, that, that's why I don't like these loan signings. I understand the Matt Ryan one, and I treat it completely differently, by the way. He's on a six-month loan with six months left on his contract. And I think everybody assumes we're going to sign him on a free in the summer, don't they? You know? Much so, the same like we did with Cedric, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So and and, and that was a fine that was a fine deal, you know, as was the Mary deal. So kudos for when kudos is due. But Look, I've I've waffled, and and you know you you know my distaste at this, and 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 it's and people were saying if we won last night we go sick, but we, there's so many teams above us with so many games in hand that it was it was a bit of a rose tinted exercise again. It's, it was it's a hugely one, important game last night that we failed to win. Uh, yeah. reasons we failed to win it was somewhere in our control somewhere out of our control. I'd like to think if the reason that was taken from our control hadn't been we would have made the right substitutions kicked on and won that game you yeah, know, and it highlighted it, that it did highlight again though how bold a move it was from Arteta to go understated in the FA Cup and not, not obviously remembering that the FA Cup means a, a, a darn sight to the, the fan base of Arsenal because it's our cup and it's also one of those chances that is very very good for you to obtain European football and we said earlier, if, if top, if he's aiming for top four, top six makes more sense. He has to have a pretty flawless second half of the season. Has to be perfect. Now he he now literally, we were talking about averaging two points a game. Well, he's averaged 0.5 a game since we last discussed. So he's now got to average a much higher ratio to achieve that. You know, I think top four is well out of our control now. But let's go on to Villa and beat Villa at the weekend. I firmly believe we will beat Villa this weekend. Okay, and what, what's the score going to be, Bob? I think we're going to win 3-0. Fucking hell. I'm um, really thinking we will do. Early game, we're going to come out of Clappers, we're going to play some great football, and we're going to have to attack because defending's not going to be our friend this week. Yeah, we're going to go out there, we're going to beat them. We are a better side than Villa. Let's go out and play proper good football, sustain and score the chances we get, and I think we'll do well. Who will score, Bob? He's going to make amends for his miss, and it's going to be uh, Saka. I think it'll be one all. I'm not sure. Lacazette's really overdue a goal, so um, he hasn't scored for a couple. I'm just going to keep saying Lacazette until he scores again. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm. I'm not sure. Villa, Villa proper put a number on us last time. Yes, so, they did. 
Yeah, we'll and, and we'll see. And 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 I'm not completely convinced that the players have got the belly to really, really come back and fight from there. But I, I but I say that because I want to be properly proven wrong, so you can humble pie me at the start of um, episode 17. But so will. Yeah, uh, you know that transfer window. I'm glad it's behind us because it was another failure, and, and we're becoming experts in it in transfer windows. Uh, and the club are doing a marketing piece of genius by fooling the fan base with, you know, if you just look at the, uh, if you honestly though, Bob, right. And, and I, I know we keep bringing him up. If you look at the praise they've lauded on a loan signing and the just a thank you at Meza for an eight year career, it's absolutely outrageous. Yeah. I think you're right, pal. I, I, yeah, you're, of course you're right. You know, we, we could do, we could have done much more with Meza as, or probably done as much with Meza as we did with Staffy, uh, probably a little bit more. About this, it's the way Arsenal are at the moment. We will have to change if we want to improve. Uh, and let's say, you know, here we are, 3rd of February. You know, let's just look, let's look to the future and hopefully we'll one day receive and be in those good days again. We never thought we'd win the FA Cup last year. We did. Trophies are hard to come by now. The Europa League's our only chance of a trophy. You know, Benfica in a few weeks, you know, two games in the space of a week. Let's see if we can go and that, beat Benfica. That, 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 just, just finish off on that. That's bizarre, isn't it? That, you know, two, they're now talking about playing two games in a neutral location. Why, why would you not just, you know, accept the fact that COVID's still rife around the world and just have a, you know, just unfortunately for this year, play if it's going to be neutral location, just play them as one leg ties. Why do you need to meet up twice? There's no benefit of home or away advantage. True, but that means the rules. I mean, you could also argue that the toss. Why don't pause it for now and at the end of the season have a tournament? No, that that completely changes it. Moving it from two legs to one leg still gives the vibe of the sixty-four, thirty-two, sixteen, eight, four, blah, 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 blah. You know, I think, but. Yeah, it's, it, it baffles me. Let's both fly out, you know, and meet in neutral locations. I'll tell you what, let's have a chat about this one next week because we haven't yeah. got a game after. We've we, we got a week off after Villa. So we yeah, have exactly. To talk and this about has that. ended up being a really long episode because like, you've got me jumped up about transfer windows, which is just Groundhog Day for me. So, I, I, and, I, and it was only, it was only highlighted by. Uh, the complete incompetence of the referee who rightly takes home the fuck of the week trophy. But look, uh, anyway, I, I look forward to the Villa game. It's on a good time for me here in Dubai. I'm excited to um, see if we can have some proper bounce back ability, you know, and, and kick kick straight back on. So yeah, we will see what uh, Saturday holds for us all being. Indeed we will. All right, lots of love to you all. Be safe. And uh, again, RIP to Tom Moore. What an absolute legend. Indeed. All the best. See you soon. See you soon. Bye-bye now.